0: evening. It's great to see everyone here at camp meeting. And for those of you that are online, we say welcome. And uh, I am sure that this is just going to be a great night. We know that uh, Reverend Mark is going to sing and he is just, he's just amazing, isn't he? (laughs) Amen. Let's just give him a hand. Uh, He's just let the Lord lead him and then uh, Dr. Hermes I tell you he's just I years ago I used to rate preachers that I heard and my number one preacher I heard back was Morton Dorsey and then when I heard Dr. Tom Hermes he knocked Morton Dorsey out of the top one, and to Dorsey fell to number two, but I told him a illustration that he used way back at Mount of Praise last Sunday night, 1975 or 73, somewhere in that neighborhood, and, uh, and so he said, I-, I don't think I've used that for a while, so I sent him a copy of it. So, uh, but it was powerful, powerful illustration, but anyhow, he preaches the word, and just God is so blessed him in a great and wonderful way. Uh, and also, he's a great administrator. Uh, he's just uh, able to, a uh, person of integrity, and that's just what it is. So, we're just going to turn over to our missionary superintendent, and he's going to have somebody really, really special to the West Central District. We call her, we say, Erica and Benji, not using the male's name first because she's West Central District.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you, Reverend Duvall. Thank you for the opportunity to have these missionary moments in camp. What a uh, what an honor it is to be able to focus on the Great Commission and our workers each night for just a moment at the beginning of these services. Uh, and I also want to say thank you uh, to the generosity of the district. We had a great night uh, last Sunday night here at the Kid Power Rally, and the current Kid Power tally uh, for the West Central District is now over $34,500. Praise the Lord. We are, we're coming up on 35000 so thank you so much. Uh, But it is my joy to introduce to you, again, for many of you, Erica Jenkins. Erica serves in Papua New Guinea uh, with her husband, Benji. Erica is the field treasurer, and she teaches literacy classes at Christian Union Bible College and supports Benji in his role as the area team leader for Papua New Guinea, Cambodia, and Southeast Asia. She is a member of this district. She is a product of our Heritage Church in Washington Courthouse, Ohio. And uh, she is a beloved member of this district, and she loves all of you. And we're so thankful, Erica, that you could be with us tonight.
2: Well, it is good to be here. And not just because you know me, not just my husband and his family. I I do appreciate that very much. Um, But when Benji and I said yes to being volunteers in Papua New Guinea in 2003, I'm not quite sure that we fully understood what we were saying yes to. And as we look back on nearly 20 years of ministry, we can see time after time where God asked us to do something, and we said yes. And we didn't fully understand, and we didn't fully know, but we continued to say yes. And that led to building projects, that led to teaching classes, that led to leading um, the college, that led to lots and lots of different ministries that we never could have dreamed of or planned for. Um, and some of you may remember, I, I don't know if we want to call them old timers necessarily, but they used to use a phrase of writing a blank check to God. And for us, that is basically what this ministry in our lives have been. We signed a blank check made out to God and have allowed him to use our lives the way that he has seen fit. And for us now, that means that we have said yes to being leadership over missionaries in Papua New Guinea, Cambodia, and Southeast Asia. And God has used every single yes and some of the no's of our past to help the current missionaries in their roles and their planning and recruiting. And we are just so blessed and so thankful that he has been faithful to us and that he continues to help us to be faithful to him.
0: You know, a, a neat story. Way back when you were in the youth group at Heritage, there was a lady named Mary Estelle that prayed for her. They gave out cards to all the adults to pray. And one Wednesday night, she shared the fact that she was going to OCU, maybe to call to be a missionary at that point. And Mary Esther stood up and said, Erica, I didn't even know, because it was a larger church, and how that she prayed for her. Mary Esther was also the missionary president. And I just always found that just amazing. Now, something that we're going to do here tonight is uh, we're not going to, we're going to receive an offering, but we're not going to receive an offering for the camp meeting. We're going to receive the offering for this wonderful couple that has said yes to God and what they do for kingdom ministry. And uh, I don't know if Peggy has her checkbook, well, <laughs> but Peggy's going to write a $1,000 check. And uh, and uh, so that'll be a starter. But I just... <laughs> That's fine. You know I <laughs> That's right. So... Uh, Anyway, so let's, let's just uh, pray, and then we're going to have Mark come, and then they're going to receive the offering. But we're going to pray for this couple that God ministers to them. They were down in Georgia, and they had car problems and and just frustration, you know. It, it really
2: wasn't. God took care of us. It was, we had an adventure, and...
0: <laughs> You're missionaries. <laughs> I, I, mean- I mean, when I have car problems... Oh, my goodness. He did. He, he
2: took care of us and brought people, and we, we talked to the kids. Like, it was an adventure, and we got to do so many things we'd never done, and it was fine. God took care of us.
0: God bless you. <laughs> did you feel the same way, Benji? Yeah, that's great. Well, oh, and you put me under conviction. <laughs> uh, actually, I had a car that had a, it overheated down in, Kentucky, and I pulled in, and finally they—I mean—they wanted to charge me some crazy price, and all it was was a regulator. Anyhow, so Lord Jesus, we thank you for this wonderful couple. We thank you for their family. Oh God, we just know that they have been down in Georgia for missionary service, and then to Nipshin for missionary service, and and now they're here, and they're just. Running, running, running. Lord, we just pray that you would bless them. Minister to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. They get off the plane at noon, and they end up being at Mount of Praise that night. Now, that should make some of you under conviction. All right. God bless you.
3: <laughs> you know what I like about your denomination? You love your missionaries. And you love evangelists. And thank you so much for your kindness, Dr. Joe. And uh, thank you for this church and all. And thank you, Eric, and all your hard work. Thank you, Goldie. Isn't she beautiful? Yeah. Appreciate everything that you've done. And if I miss anybody, I'm sorry. Let's stand together and sing A Mighty Fortress. a mighty fortress is our god a bulwark never failing our helper he amid the flood a mortal's ills prevailing for still our ancient foe Does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Oh, I like this. Strength will rise. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope our strong deliverer you are the everlasting god the everlasting god you do not faint you won't grow weary you're the defender of the comfort those in need. You lift us up on wings like eagles. You are the everlasting God. The everlasting God. You do not faint. You won't grow with the defender of the weak, you comfort those in need, you lift us up on wings like eagles. Source of my strength. Sing it again. You are the source. How wonderful is love like this? Now we need the ladies just to hold that love. Such love. While the men are singing, ready, ready, everybody. Such love, such love, such wondrous love. Such, such, such wondrous love. God should love a sinner such as I. Wonderful. Jesus is to me, Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God is He, Saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame, Wonderful is my Redeemer, Praise His name, I'll sing it again, Wonderful, Wonderful, Jesus is to me, Counselor. Prince of Peace, mighty God is he, saving me, keeping me from all sin and shame. Wonderful is my Redeemer, praise his name. Well, shake hands with people that don't have COVID, then you may be seated. I hope none of you do. <laughs> oh, that's terrible, isn't it? I'm glad nobody's struggling. Hey. <laughs> well, it's also been a joy to be with Dr.. Tom bless his heart. Aren't you glad he's healthy? Praise the Lord. Got stronger every night. Oh my. Satan's a liar, and he tries to defeat us, but praise the Lord when you're up against the struggle. That shatters all your dreams And your hopes have been cruelly crushed By Satan's manifested scheme And you feel the urge within you To submit to earthly fears Don't let the faith you're standing in Seem to disappear Praise the Lord Work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord for our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise Him. Now Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think that we are powers. when he knows himself we're children of the King. So lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ is risen, so the work's already done. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise Him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him praise the lord he can work through those who praise him praise the lord for our god inhabits praise praise the lord for the chains that seem to bind you Serve only to remind you That they drop powerless behind you When you praise Him When you pray.
0: God. Well, it's time for us to receive our offering. In the back corner by the sign that says, Welcome, Sinner, Susan Jones has a little machine there that it'll put your credit card in. Dr. Hermes, you see, Bruce will swipe your card. And I thought, now that doesn't sound good. He will swipe it, but Susan will put that card in and she'll put the number in that you say you want to give and that's what you'll give. So that's a way to give. And the other way is online. If they give and say this is going to be for our missionaries, Pastor John will make sure that that's taken care of, right? That's right. And then you can give cash I handed mine to my daughter, Heather, because I wanted to make sure she would give it rather than me keep putting it in my wallet and hold on to it. And then you can write checks. So there's just there's just a multitude of ways of giving. Now, when I said to Mark, I said, when I receive an offering, I just, I mean, every night I just said, receive the offering. I mean, we didn't do all this stuff. But tonight, I'm going to do this. So, uh it's, it's my last year. So anyway. So I just believe that God is going to speak to your heart. And that you're going to give. Some people can give a thousand or more. Some people can give 500. Some people can give. and But I just know that. My dad was a cheerful giver. I, I, He would haul cattle for the farmers. And on Saturday was his biggest check. And I would see him often just turn that check over and sign it and put it in the offering plate. And I mean, that would be the one that it was the biggest check. I mean, like it would probably be 75% of all that week's money. and. I used to think about that, and I think, man, what's my dad doing? And then I realized he just loved to give. When he was on Social Security, now he had other bits of income, but on Social Security, he supported a mission that he gave almost all of his Social Security check to. I just... I just believe that we cannot outgive God. I believe that God blesses a cheerful giver. And so I, I just want you to know that uh, we're just going to give to this family. So let us pray. And uh, we want you to get your offering out. If you need to walk back to the machine, just you can walk back there quietly while, while we're uh, praying. If you give online, whatever, just give. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ministry. When Erica said, they have just said yes. A lot of small yeses, a lot of big yeses. But you have used them, used Erica and Benji, Benji and Erica, their family. We just pray that as we give here, it would be a time of rejoicing, knowing what is given to your kingdom, that these missionaries carry the gospel around the world. Really, we're just part of that when we give. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
3: This is a very special song. Our brother Tom talked about Adam and Eve and the sin that was brought into this world. Thank God for Jesus. Unashamed and naked, in a garden that has never seen the rain. Rulers of a kingdom full of joy, never marred by any pain. The morning all around them seems to celebrate the life they just begun. AND IN THE MAJESTY OF THE INNOCENT, THE KING AND QUEEN COME WALKING IN THE SUN. BUT THE MASTER OF DECEPTION NOW BEGINS WITH HIS DISSECTION OF THE WORD. And with all of his craft and subtlety, the serpent twists the simple truths they heard. While hanging in the balance is a world that has been placed at their command. And all their unborn children die as both of them bow down to satan's hand just before the evening in the cool of the day they hear the voice of god as he is walking and they can abide his presence so they try to hide away but still they hear the sound as he is calling The stifling heat of the summer now the gardener and his wife are in the fields And it seems that thorns and thistles are the only crop his struggles ever years He eats his meals in sorrow till he sinks into the dust whence he came but all down through the ages he can hear the maker calling out his name if Jehovah's dread frown And lo in the pit Where my sin dragged me down I cried to the Lord From the deep miry clay Who tenderly brought me out To golden day brought me out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on the rock to stay, and he puts a song in my soul today, a song, a praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, I have found him whom my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing, through his blood I now am saved. Oh, hallelujah, I have found him who my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies my longing. Through his blood I now am saved. his blood i now answer.
4: Well, thank you once again, Mark, for tremendous ministry this week. I'm thankful that the Lord allowed our paths to cross once again. Seems like uh, over, I don't know, 30, 40 years now. Probably we go back that far. And uh, like he said, he was just a kid back then. But anyway, um, oftentimes over the years, we've had the opportunities to be together. It's always very special, and it's uh, great to have been with him. Thank you, Joe, for inviting me to come and be here once again and um, thankful that we could be teamed up this way. And um, just want to thank everyone for your support. Uh, the first night, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it or not, and I was huffing and puffing. But every night, I felt just a little stronger, and uh, I learned from my dad a long time ago. He would be very sick, and usually it was with a runny nose, you know, when a Hermes has a nose problem, he has a big problem. And he'd have a runny nose or he'd have a cough. And he would always say, if I can get to the pulpit, it'll be okay. And I watched it happen every time without fail. And uh, so I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus, because I had the feeling Tuesday, if I could just get here, if I could just get out of that recliner, and just stop taking all that COVID medicine and all the rest, and get here. It would be all right, and it's been great, and uh, it's been my privilege once again to be here and uh, to have this opportunity of ministering. I preached in way too many 3CU camp meetings over the years, but I've loved it every time. This is a denomination that loves camp meetings, and you know how to do it, and it's always been a great joy and a privilege, and. What a blessing it's been to be here this week. So I thank everyone that has had a part in it, and I thank the dear lady who put the dark chocolate up here for me and the dear lady who plays the piano, who brought the chocolate chip cookies. These people know what my weaknesses are, and uh, they, uh, they, they really blessed us this week. And so uh, it's been great. And I, my next weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, I'll be preaching at the Stoutsville camp meeting. So uh, if you're able you to get over there, there's no air conditioning, and it's going to be 90 degrees every day that, over that weekend. So, uh, but come anyway. They've got big fans, and uh, you'll, uh, you'll survive, and it'll be another great camp meeting experience. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you will, once again tonight to the Gospel of St. John. But this time we're going to move into Chapter 17. The Gospel of St. John, Chapter 17. And I am reluctant to do it, but I'm going to break into the reading at verse 20. You'll recognize this as the great high priestly prayer of our Lord. He prays for himself. He prays for all of those that would believe on his name that were alive then and for all of those down through the centuries that would believe on his name. So in a very real sense, Jesus prayed this prayer for us. Would you please stand, if you're able, as we look at John 17 and verse 20. I do not pray for these alone, but for those who who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in them, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me, be with me where I am, that, I, they, that they shall behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name, and will declare it, that the love with which you love me may be in them and I. In them. You may be seated. May God add His blessing to the reading of His Word. In this magnificent prayer, we are given a glimpse into the very sanctuary of our Lord's heart. And you will soon discover that the main thrust and the driving theme of this prayer could be summarized with two words keep them. He prays that we'd be kept in unity, kept in. Kept in joy, kept from evil, kept through sanctification, and kept as a glorious church. Keep them, he prayed in verse 11, that they may be one as we are. Now, some would use these words to put the unbearable burden on us that we should all be just the same, as if we'd been shaped by the same mold or cut out of the same cookie cutter. That we should look alike and dress alike and think and act just the same. But this cannot be the intent of these words. The disciples were all rugged individuals. There was the flamboyant, impulsive Peter, the contemplative Matthew, the questioning Thomas, and on and on. God uses our different personalities and our different temperaments to accomplish the work of his kingdom. He doesn't give us all the same gift, but he gives us various gifts that we might build together the church, the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit wants to refine our personalities. He wants to refine us in that regard, but he does not regiment us. He doesn't stamp us all out of the same mold. And wouldn't it be a boring world if we were all just the same I was invited to speak to a group of pastors and wives. And it was a group I'd never been with before. And when I walked out on the platform the first night, I was immediately stunned by the fact that almost every lady in the crowd looked alike. And they weren't relatives. They were brothers and sisters in Christ, but they weren't related physically. And I looked at them and I thought, well, they were all dressed the same, and it wasn't the Salvation Army. And not only were they all dressed the same, they all fixed their hair just the same. I thought, I sure hope these guys can keep figure out which one that goes home with them after the service. I'd, I'd never seen anything quite like it. Now, friends, that's not unity. That's sameness. That's conformity, and it's rather boring, but it's not unity. Others love to use this passage to, again, put the unbearable burden on us that all the saints of God should see eye to eye on every issue and that we should all always agree. And then the way that this passage is distorted the most is that now for a number of years, Lots of people love to use this 17th chapter of John and tell us that what Jesus was interested in was an ecclesiastical or an organizational unity, that he wanted us all to merge and be one denomination, and that we'd be so much less confusing. That view does a great disservice to the heart of our Lord. It's far deeper and far more significant than an organizational or an ecclesiastical unity. Let me ask you, how are Christ and his Father one? They're one in character, they're one in purpose, and they're one in activity. And this is Christ's prayer for us, that we would be one in character with the Father, that we would be holy, as he is holy, that we would be one in purpose, that everything that we do, we would endeavor to bring honor and glory to the name of our heavenly Father, and that we would be one in purpose, that we would join together as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit joined together to bring about a plan of redemption, that we would join together as the body of Christ to see the great commission fulfilled, that we would endeavor to get this gospel to every tongue, tribe, and nation. He has commissioned us to go with the gospel. Isn't it tragic that so often in the church we get sidetracked on minor, trivial insignificant issues. May God help us while it is day and while we have time to unite in the power of the Holy Spirit, to see the great commission fulfilled. It's time to major on the majors and minor on the minors. He prayed that we would be one as he and the Father are one. Then in verse 13, he prayed that we would be kept in joy, that my that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Christ's prayer for his church was, keep my church joyful. Keep my church a singing church. Keep my church a praising church. You see, the Pharisees of that day managed to present religion as a long-faced, mournful, legalistic brand of religion, a bunch of do's and don'ts. But the early church... The early church was characterized by the fact that they praise God daily. And friends, I have to believe that that's one of the major reasons they added to the church daily. It is because of the true expression of the joy of the Lord. There is something very attractive and appealing and winsome about the expression of the joy of the Lord. I believe the joy of the Lord needs greater expression these days, both inside the four walls of the church and outside the four walls of the church. I have to confess to you as I move across this country, the various various churches and denominations, I get in a lot of dead, dry, staid, stale, listless, lifeless services. And I think if it's so dead in the church, there can't be much joy being expressed outside the church. It's not impressive, it's depressing. It's not exciting, it's boring. It's not attractive, it's repulsive. Now I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the church that's spirited, but not spiritual, it's shallow and it's superficial, it's manipulated, it's worked up, it's man-made joy and not the joy of the Lord. And on the other hand, I fear that we've overreacted against the emotionalism of the past and the modern-day charismatic excesses until we have succeeded in stifling and quenching the true, proper expression of Christian joy. In the world today... Where there's so much doom and gloom, the contrast to all of that ought to be God's people. The joy of the Lord ought to simply emanate from our countenance. Paul said, you see, and here's the problem. We're paying the price. We're paying the price in the loss of our people to other churches. We're paying the price in the barrenness of our altars. We're paying the price in the emptiness of our churches. Paul said, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. I think we've quenched the spirit simply by ceasing to be the rejoicing, praying, thankful people that we ought to be. I was preaching up at Youngstown, Ohio. And on Sunday morning, it was a meeting that started on Wednesday. And on Sunday morning, when I walked out on the platform, I immediately noticed a lady in the congregation that had not been there before. Now, it's not a big church, and so it was very easy to pick her out. Not only that, this was pretty much a blue-collar church of good, solid, hard-working people. This lady, I mean, she was dressed to the hilt. She had an animal around her neck that had to cost her several thousands of dollars. And I notice as I preach how intently she listened. When I gave the altar call, she was the first one at the altar. She stepped out immediately, and then I knew she'd never been in that church or our churches before because she didn't know to kneel. She just came and stood in front of me. Pretty soon, some other people came to the altar, and they knelt, of course. And as she saw them kneeling, she knelt as well. Well, it seemed like everybody in the church was terrified of this lady. And so during the altar service, nobody was praying with her. So I went down, and I said, is there some way I can help you? She said, I have a question for you, sir. She said, I go to church. I've gone to church all of my life. In fact, I go to my church three or four times every week. But she said, a couple, about a year ago, I rented one of my apartments to two of the older ladies in this church. And she said, they can barely afford to pay the rent. And she said, there are times I've showed up at their house at mealtime on purpose. And they just have these meager little meals that they eat. They don't have much of anything. But she said, they have found something here that I've never found at my church before. And sir, I'm here, I want to know, can I have what they have? I said, yes, ma'am, you can. Not her, you can't have their experience, but you can have your own. And it was my joy that morning to lead a lady that was hungry into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what was it that attracted that lady to that church? It was not because it was a magnificent cathedral, because it was just a little white-framed church. It was not the wonderful choir, because they didn't even have a choir. It wasn't the worship team, because they didn't have a worship team. IT WASN'T THE ORATORICAL SKILLS OF THEIR PASTOR BECAUSE HE DIDN'T KNOW WHAT THE WORD ORATORY EVEN MEANT, LET ALONE TO BE AN ORATOR. WHAT WAS IT? TWO OLDER LADIES DIDN'T HAVE MUCH MONEY, NOT MUCH OF THIS WORLD'S GOODS, BUT THEY HAD THE JOY OF THE LORD. And that's what attracted her. That was what was appealing to her. That's what brought her out of a pagan religion and brought her to a Protestant church. It wasn't because of the building. It was because of the joy of the Lord people had. Ladies and gentlemen, let it shine. Let it shine wherever you go. May the joy of the Lord shine from your countenance. Then Jesus prayed that we'd be kept from evil. In verse 15, he said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Jesus understood that the world could contaminate and destroy the church. But I want you to notice, he didn't pray that we'd be taken out of the world, but that we would learn to live victoriously in the world. In the Christian life, we do need times of solitude, I think we really need times of revival and camp meeting. I think in these challenging days, where there's so many, so many things going on around us that can be distressing and disappointing, it's a wonderful thing to be able to just get away from it all and have our souls fed and draw nigh to God. But the Christian life, we do need those times of solitude. But we dare not become isolationist. It's kind of like a boat and water. They belong together. The boat should be kept in the water if it's going to fulfill its purpose. But if the water gets in the boat, it's going to sink. And those who withdraw from the world and try to cloister themselves in these little communities, and avoid contact with the world. Remind me of those who in the church that have had the attitude, well, bless God, we're small, but we're clean. They're clean, all right. They're clean out of business. They're making no impact on their community, not touching lives and changing lives. How can we profess to love the souls of humanity and shun them and not want anything to do with them? And too often in the church these days, There's too much water in the boat, and it's sinking. I love the spirit of the great missionary C.T. Studd, and it needs to be the kind of spirit and attitude that we all adopt. He said, some wish to live within sound or sight of chapel, but I want to run a rescue shop within a yard of hell. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where the action is. That's where you can get your batteries recharged. When we get out there where the action is and where people are lost and dying and despair and hopelessness and let them know there's something better and that in Christ Jesus they can find hope. Then in verse 17, he prays, keep them through sanctification. Sanctify them by your truth. The word is truth. I'm going to say something here, and I'll try then to support it. This is the main thrust of this great high priestly prayer. You say, come on, Hermes. We know you like to preach holiness. But let me just tell you, all of a sudden, at this point in the prayer, Jesus moves into the imperative mood and into the aorist tense. You're not going to pick that up in the English translations. And so what he is saying to his father about his followers, you really must sanctify them. They really must be sanctified. It's almost like a command. This business of holiness and sanctification, it's not a side issue. It's not a hobby horse. It's not getting on a tangent. It is at the very heart and core of the gospel. It's why one of the great reasons Jesus left heaven, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood. It's his fervent, passionate desire that every born again believer should be sanctified. And he's not talking about consecration or dedication. He's talking about sanctification. You see, consecration is human, very human. It's very important. But sanctification is something that God does in us and for us that we could never do for ourselves. Commissioner Bringle of the Salvation Army was preaching at a Sunday morning service. And in the, Holy, in the, in the Salvation Army, Sunday morning service is always called the holiness Service, And that's when you're supposed to preach on a second work of grace. Commissioner Bringle, being the commissioner of the Salvation Army, being a man passionate about holiness of heart, that morning preached what you're supposed to preach in a Salvation Army church on Sunday morning. He preached on holiness, a message on sanctification. A senator's wife with five of her fashionable friends were in the service. When the service was over, the senator's wife came up to commissioner bringle and she said commissioner if you would have just called it consecration or dedication we all could have agreed with you and he said but my good sister there is much difference between consecration and sanctification as there is between heaven and earth as much difference as there is between a human work and a divine work and i want you to know my friends this is the passionate prayer of Jesus, and he prayed it for you, and he prayed it for me. He wants us to come to a point in our life following our conversion where we are crucified with Christ, where we die to our selfish ambitions and desires and invite Christ to come and be Lord of all and cleanse our heart from that inherited disposition of sin. And he is faithful. He will not go back on his word. If you pray the prayer, even if you get the terminology mixed up and even if you don't dot all the same I's and cross all the same T's, God looks right at your heart and he knows what you're hungry for and what you're crying out for because his spirit put that hunger in your heart and he's trying to lead you to a deeper state of grace where you can have a clean, pure heart. And then lastly, in verse 24, he prayed that we would be kept as a glorious church. Father, I desire that they also, whom you gave me, may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. Once again, the fervent prayer of the Lord is that we would be kept from evil, that we would live a holy life, and that one day we would be with him. To behold his glory. It's not his will that any should perish. It's his will that we would be with him throughout all eternity. And without question, he's building a glorious church. It is indeed a holiness church. May have different titles and different names, but it's a holiness church of spirit-filled, sanctified followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. A lot of people are very concerned about what's gonna happen to the church in the future. And I'll hear them say, well, you know, if things keep going the way it is, we're gonna have to become the church in hiding. And whenever I hear that, I say, you know, we've got a lot of people that'll know exactly how to play that game, because they've been hiding about every Sunday for a long time. And since COVID, there seems to be even more of them that are hiding someplace on Sunday morning. Listen, friends. The church of Jesus Christ is here to stay. Men, dictators, presidents, they rise and they fall, they come and they go. But the church of Jesus Christ is here to stay. We hear a lot of talk about mergers. But ladies and gentlemen, the church is already one. Two divisions. But it's the church militant and the church triumphant. The church that has fought its last battle, laid down its weapons, and gone home to glory. And the church that is still here on earth to continue to fight the battle until Jesus calls them home. It's the church on earth and the church in heaven. Well, one of these days there will be a merger. This merger isn't going to take place in the Big Apple in a smoke-filled hotel. This merger between the church militant and the church triumphant, it's going to happen in the new Jerusalem. And they're going to come from every tongue and tribe and nation. And we're going to crown Jesus King of kings and Lord of lords. So let the storms rage and let the demons howl. We're aboard ship Zion and it's about to make the port. We're headed to a city whose builder and maker is God. And you know the wonderful thing is, There won't be any cancer over there. There won't be any diabetes over there. There won't be any arthritis over there. There won't be any strokes over there. There won't be any heart attacks. There'll be no more dying, no more sad processions in and out of the cemetery. But one day soon, we're going to be safe, home forever. Until that day, we're still in the church militant. That means... We have to be fighters. That means that we have to push the battle. That means that we need to join together to organize ourselves, to know how to be more effectively reach our communities and reach our nation and reach our world with the gospel. Jesus prayed this prayer for us. Ladies and gentlemen, the good news is he's still praying for us. He's praying that our faith will not fail. He understands the struggles. That we're dealing with he understands he knows about the power of satan but his prayers are powerful and he has the ear of the father and he sits there and he calls your name and he calls my name and he holds us up in prayer that our faith would not fail william dyke was 10 years old when he was blinded in an accident in spite of his disability he graduated with high honors from the University of England and he fell in love with the daughter of a high-ranking British naval officer and they were engaged shortly before the wedding in fact he timed it so that the surgery was just before the wedding he had a surgery that if it was successful his eyesight would be restored If it wasn't successful, he'd be blind the rest of his life with no hope of his sight being restored. And so there he stands in the front of the church, his surgeon at his side, bandages still on his eyes. He wants the first person that he sees to be Jesus, to be his bride, to be his bride. And so, the bride comes in. She's standing there now, and they're face to face. The surgeon steps up and begins to clip the bandages away. You could almost feel the tension in the room. Some people were nearly holding their breath, wondering what would happen. And then the bandages fell away. And he blinked his eyes a couple of times, And he looked at his bride and he said, Oh, you are more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. Listen, friends, right now we see dimly. Right now we see darkly. But the day is going to come when the scales are going to drop away and we're going to see Jesus face to face. And I believe that we will shout and rejoice at the magnificence of our Savior. I was praying with Dorothy in the nursing home. She was a saint of God. She'd been blind since she was a young lady. And uh, she was now at a stroke, and she had diabetes, and she had body sores and was suffering immensely. And I went in that day to visit her, and she was really blue. And we got to talking about Jesus and talking about going home, and all of a sudden, she got blessed, and when she would get blessed, she would laugh, and it was kind of a high, piercing, shrieking kind of laughter, and she was laughing, and, and the nurse comes running up the hallway and pushes the door open and says, is anything wrong? The lady never lost her humor. She said, oh, nurse, I'm as happy as if I was in my right mind. Said, pastor and I have just been talking about going to heaven. And she said, guess what, nurse? The first person I see will be the Lord Jesus. I'm just rejoicing and praising God and celebrating. I don't know what I did for her, but I do know what she did for me. And as I walked past the nurse's station, leaving the nursing home, That nurse was sitting there wiping the tears from her face. And she said, how can she do that? How can she praise the Lord like that? I know how much she's suffering. I know how much pain she's in. No one ever comes to see her anymore except her sister. And when you come, no one else comes. And she's always kind of blue. And I said, well, it's the fact that she has a hope Beyond this world. And ladies and gentlemen, doesn't matter how dark it gets, I'm not sure if we've seen the worst yet that we're going to face in this nation of ours, but I do know this Jesus is still on the throne. He never fails, and one day, it may be soon, it won't be long, we're going to see Jesus face to face, and we will rejoice and we'll celebrate. Mark, I'd like to for you to lead us in singing. What a day, glorious day that will be, because that day is coming. Someone asked me tonight, how close do you think it is? You know, God's clocks are different than ours. I would think maybe we got a little while yet, and things might get even worse, but his clocks are different than ours. And all I said to him, let's just be ready. And that's where we are tonight. Let's stand together as we sing Jim Hill's great old gospel song. What a day, glorious day that will be. Sing it together.
3: There is coming
4: yes, there is. a day yes. when
3: no heartache shall come. Yes. No more clouds,
4: no in, more clouds the in the sky.
3: No more, no more tears, tears dim the eye. All this peace forevermore. forevermore on that that happy happy golden golden shore. What a day, day, glorious day that that will be. be. Sing it together, if you will. What What a day that will be be when my my Jesus I shall see. Amen. When I look upon upon his face, face, the the one who who saved me by his grace, grace. when, he when takes he me takes by the hand takes me by the hand and leads, leads me through the, through the promised land what a, a, day. a day glorious day, day. that will be
4: I was with Jim Hill in a revival meeting out in Oklahoma City and on Saturday night when he came in he said today Mark La or today Glenn Payne died In the hospital, and Mark Lowry was with him. And he said, Mark called me and he said, Jim, I think you'd like to know that with Glenn Payne's last breath, he was singing your song. What a day that will be. I want to tell you, friends. Jim Hill that night sang like he did when he was 20 years younger. I mean, he was out of himself, and God was all over the place. I saw about 300 Nazarenes running up and down the aisles and shouting and praising the Lord. Because, friends, we have something to praise God for. And so let's keep a smile on our face. Let's keep the joy of the Lord in our hearts, and let's just let the world around us know we have hope and we can rise above the doom and the gloom and celebrate the grace of God. Sing that next verse if you There'll be no sorrow no there. No sorrow there.
3: No more, no more burdens to bear. Yes. No more sickness, no, no pain. pain. No, more no more parting No more olden parting over there. And forever yes. I will be
4: with the one with who the died one for me
3: died for me.
4: What a day. What a day. What a day. Glorious Glorious day that that will be. be. Singing that chorus together now. What What a day day that that will be. be When my
3: Jesus, Jesus, I shall see. When I look, look, upon his face, look upon his face the one, one who saved me by his, grace, by his grace and when, when he, he takes me by the hand, hand and leads me through the promised land, land. What, what a day, day glorious day that, day
4: that will be now look friends I know some of you feel like you've never felt this bad in your life, never been quite this sick, never had quite this much sorrow, this much pain. But I want us to sing that chorus one last time, and I want you to know this altar is open. I can remember in a lot of services, it was when the saints were rejoicing, when their hands were raised and they were rejoicing and celebrating the grace of God in their lives, that people hungry for the Lord, Came to the altar. So I wanted to sing it one more time, and I just want you to know if you want to pray, if you don't have this joy, if you don't have this peace, if you've not experienced His sanctifying grace, what a night this would be to seek the Lord. Sing the chorus again.
3: What a day yes. that will be yes. when, my when my Jesus I shall see, when I look, look upon, his upon His face one who saved Save me by, by His grace, and when He when takes, he me, by takes the hand me by the hand and, and leads me through the promised land. land. What, what a, day. a day, glorious day. I shall see when, when I look, look upon his face upon his face the one who the saved one me by me his, grace. his grace and when he takes takes me by the hand, hand and leads me through the promised land what a
4: day glorious day that will be, be. amen folks don't miss it, the trumpet's going to sound, and the dead in Christ are going to rise, and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with the Lord, and so shall we ever be. I believe our district superintendent should have the final word, so, Joe, would you come and disclose this as you see fit? Amen. Amen.
0: I believe that God is on the move. He is ministering to us. I uh, don't want to prolong this, but I just believe that if you cannot sing, what a day that will be. If you can't feel that in your spirit, I believe that God will meet you. They, they used to say, you take the first step and he'll take the rest. I I just believe that God is, his Holy Spirit is moving in this place. Why don't we just sing that one more time? One more, what a day, what a day. What a day that will
3: be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day, that
0: To thank each one of the workers here, the ones that have ministered to the children back here, Scott and Tara, the ones that uh, are in the sound, all all the different types of uh, jobs that you do, the ushers, this local church, we just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you at this uh, camp meeting. Of course, our speaker, Dr. Tom Hermes, and his wife, Ella May. We thank you for being here. And uh, by the way, Reverend Mark's wife sang last night. You missed it. If you weren't here, she sang last night. She's a very good singer. And uh, they did a duo And then Goldie, she's, God bless her. She was absolutely, (laughs) she said, I don't know that I can do this. And uh, she kept saying, I don't know that I can do this. And Susan convinced her. Uh, Susan did therapy on her. She she did pep talk on her. Yeah. And she, and all of a sudden, thank you, Goldie, I tell you. Everybody, this has just been wonderful. <sighs> let's, let's, for a sign of victory, you know, if you want to come, that's fine. But just sing, what a day. And, uh, you know, my, my dad, he kind of went like this. He, he didn't get too high. And my mother said, amen, glory. And uh, when I got saved to the altar, seven years old. God sent my mother to pray with me. I wish to have been my dad. But anyway, it's a long story. But uh, whether you kind of just raise a half mask, jokingly like the Nazarenes, or you get praising like Church Christ and Christian Union did at the old Mount of Praise, and uh, whatever it is, or you just kind of want to bow your head, bow your heart,
3: and say, what a day what a day that will be when my jesus i shall see when i look upon his face the one who saved me by his grace and when he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land oh what a day day that will be, there'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, See when I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace, and when he takes me by the hand.
0: course you know that this is our my daughter Heather she's Down syndrome and her big brother used to pray every day dear Jesus make Heather like me and then when he's about 12 years old he said he changed that prayer he said dear Jesus make me like Heather These two wonderful ladies, this one right here, comes up to me and says, I pray for you every day. Dear Jesus, make me like that. I wanted to say do a fist bump, but that got somebody a few days ago in trouble. So say hello, shake hands. Uh, Dan Jordan is going to come up here. He's the assistant district superintendent, going to lead us in prayer, dismiss us, and then uh, shake hands. God bless you. Just a moment.
5: Thank you, Father. Thank you for your presence that we felt again this evening. Thank you, Lord, for the sweetness and the beauty of your peace, and what you do as we worship you together. Thank you, Lord, for the truth that's been spoken, the music that has challenged our heart. Father, remind us that there are those outside this building who need you desperately. Watch over us as we travel. Help our hearts to be open to those that you bring in our lives, those that we seek to share about this day that you're coming. Thank you, Lord, for Joe. Thank you, Lord, for your hand upon he and Peggy, how you have watched over them this last year. And we just thank you for for them. Thank you, Father, for the week of camp, Dr. Hermes. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, Amen. 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 God bless.